hearing stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still into love 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 you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I'm loved by it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, you're a good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect. 
we, Father, that we can look to you. Amen. It's a good father. It's who he is. Amen. And we are loved by him. That song has been sung on the radio for quite some time. Uh, Many people have been inspired by it, but don't always understand a lot behind the song. And one of the gentlemen who wrote it named Pat Barrett shared that he was inspired to write the song when he became a father himself. He said, when I started having kids and I'm looking at my daughter, Harper Gray, and I'm like, how am I going to explain God to you? How am I going to introduce you to someone who so transformed my life? How am I going to tell you what he's like? And he is a good, good father. Today I want us to look at the love of a father. If you'll take your Bibles and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6. And as you're turning there and in searching this and thinking about today being Father's Day and the love of a father and all of that, I began searching for in Scripture it talking about our Father. Because today we're looking at the love of our Heavenly Father. And according to one place I looked, it said that God is referred to as Father over 195 times in the Bible. Our Father, 13 times in the Old Testament, and Jesus referred to God as our Father over 150 times. And Jesus also spoke as being our Father 30 times. Another place you might look, it says God is identified as our Father 265 times in Scripture. So from the very beginning, I believe, of the Bible, from Genesis all the way through Revelations, we are getting a picture. It is revealing to us who God is and God as our Father. If you would stand with me as we look at this one verse to kick us off, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, and it says, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me says the Lord Almighty. Father God, thank you, Lord, that you are our Father. Father, you represent to us what a Father is. Father, you depict all through it what a good Father is. And Father, we say thank you for you being our Father. We say thank you for our fathers here on earth. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I just pray now, Father, that you would fill me with a special presence of Holy Spirit, Lord, to deliver your message this day. Father, you know who's here. Father, you know what each of us need to hear this very day. Lord God, would you speak through me. Father, would you open our ears, soften our hearts to hear from Holy Spirit. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen 
You may be seated. Hope you have a bulletin with you today. The three points are there with some other blanks. Uh, sometimes we do this, sometimes not, but I'm going to ask if you would go ahead, have your fingers ready and your seatbelt on, okay? Because I've got some scripture because, you know, I can stand up here all day and tell you who God is to me. But what's important is what God says about his self of who he is. So today we're going to be taking a quick stroll through scripture, looking at that. Hopefully uh, I can get through it all in the amount of time that we have. Because I believe that it is so important in this day and time that we understand what a good father is. I mentioned several weeks ago, as we talked some about fathers, that oftentimes we want to explain God to people. And we talk about him being a father, and there are some that that is not something that brings warm and fuzzies like it does to a lot of us. There are fathers out there who have been deadbeat fathers, There have been some out there that have been absent fathers. There's been fathers out there that have abused their children. But we're looking at today what a good, good father is. We're looking at who God the Father is, what the love of that father is. And this scripture that we looked at to start us says God, actually it's in the New Testament, but it's quoting from the Old Testament where God said, I am your father. And let me tell you today, God is a good father. God is a perfect father. And that's what I want us to look at today is understanding that the love of the father is great. The first thing that I want us to see is that God is a good father. God is a good father. In Luke 15, we have the story of what we often call the prodigal son. Many of you might be familiar with that. The father had a couple of children. His youngest son come and said, Father, I want my inheritance now. Just go on and give me my inheritance. So the father gave him his inheritance. And what happened? The son left. Being a Jewish boy, sometimes we forget that in the story. But he goes out. He spends all of his money doing all kinds of worldly things. And then he becomes hungry enough that he goes and the only place he can find a job is feeding pigs. And we understand he's a Jewish boy. They don't like pigs. And then he becomes so hungry that he's even willing to eat what those pigs are eating. And I have to say he's pretty hungry once he gets to that point. But he remembered my father's servants. Even they have enough food So he said, I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to tell my father that I'm sorry. And he wants to come back as a slave. But the father, being a good father, loved the prodigal son. In Luke 15, 20, let me just read to you. It'll be up on the screens if you want to jot it down and go back later. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. What an example of a good father. An understanding that it doesn't ring as true to us until we look at the culture. Men didn't run back in that day, especially a father. But this father is often evidently looking out there. He's waiting for this wayward son to come back. 
He loves that son. He's a, he's a good father. And one day, out at a distance, he sees him coming. And he drops everything he's doing and he runs to him and he embraces him. That son apologizes and wants to be a servant, but the story goes on and tells us that the father loved him so much. He said, bring out a good robe, bring out the signet ring, signifying you're my child, not a servant. Kill the fatted calf. But there's another son in this story, and he begins to hear all the commotion, and he what? We know he becomes angry. But you know that this father is a good father. He not only loves the prodigal son, but he loves the other son. He goes outside and he begins to beg and he begins to plead with the other son. You see, a a good father, God is our good father. And that represents him. You know, God loves his children. God loves the world and he's waiting for those to come to him. But not only is God a good father because he loves the prodigal son, but a God is a good father because he will not desert us. Let's look at Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse, beginning verse 5. Make sure that your way as life is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have, for he himself said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? A father is a protector, and a good father will not desert his children. I find it so appalling these days that oftentimes now, some of most of you ladies in here, when you had babies, the technology wasn't around we have now. As soon as a, a lady gets pregnant, now they want to go to the hospital and they want to run these tests. And, you know, let's just check the DNA. And let's just check and make sure there's going to be no malformities. Because if there are, we can just go ahead and end it right now and you don't have to worry about it. That's not being a good mother or a father. Or how many men do we hear of today that think sex is just good and fun and let's do it when the girl gets pregnant. I got some money I'll give you. Go take care of it. But a good father, doesn't matter. He stays. He's always there and never desert. He, he will protect Jesus or the uh, writer of Hebrews Quoting back that I will never desert you nor will I ever forsake you. That is a reference again back to the Old Testament. God talking to his people. How many times did his people turn their back on him? Without a show of hands. But as we've been reading through scripture. And you're reading in the Old Testament. How many of you thought. Will these people ever get it? You know, God's good to them. They turn their back on him. And then God comes back and they turn their back. Come on, will they ever figure it out? But you know, I had to stop when I thought that. And I said, let me uh, look in the mirror just a little bit. But you see, God never left them. He's a good, good father. 
And God is also a good father because we see in Romans 8.15 that he's called Abba Father. It says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba Father. Abba Father, when you look that up, is a term of endearment. You see, we have a good father. We might could take that today and translate it to daddy. You know, we have some people out there who are men. We have some people out there who are fathers. But it's a whole different category to be a daddy. It's a term of endearment. There's a a love there. And we see in scripture that our father in heaven is called Abba, Father. He is someone who cares. He takes care of us. He protects us. He doesn't leave us. What a good father that he can be called daddy. Amen. But not only is God a good father, but God is a loving father. Makes all the difference in the world having a loving father. Let's turn almost to the back of your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8. We see that God being a loving God because he is the source of love. 1 John 4 8. The one who does not love does not know God because God is is love skip down there to verse 16 and we have come to know and have believed the love which God has in us God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him our heavenly father is a loving father because it's who he is, just like that song says. God is the source of all love. God's love for us is a love that he chose. It's called a volitional love. He chose to love us even before we were born. And do you know that makes a big difference? Why is that? Because God chose to love us before he knew if we were going to be good or bad. We also understand that God sees the whole picture from beginning to end. But he made a decision. He made a choice. Because he is love. He loves us. And also God's love is perfect. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. Many understand this is the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous, does not brag, is not puffed up, it does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. Our God is a loving Father, and God's love is perfect. 
Amen. Because he is love, it is perfect. Let's look up here on the screens real, real quick. And we're going to see what love is not. Okay, it's understanding what love is not. Love is not envious. Love isn't self-seeking. Love isn't prideful. It doesn't provoke. It's not rude. It doesn't think evil. Love does not rejoice in equity. These are things that love is not. These are things that God is not. These are things that should not be in our love because we have a love of God living in us that allows us to love other people. So great. Love is not these things. What is love? Let's take a look. Love is long-suffering. How many? Amen. I tell you, I'm glad that love is long-suffering and that Nicole has love for me because she's got some long-suffering that goes on. Love is kind. It's celebrating. The scripture tells us it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. Endures all things. And there's the greatest probably of all. Never fails. Amen. God is a loving father. God has perfect love. God is those things. As we continue looking and understanding third part of we have a loving God. Is God is the demonstration of love you know it's one thing to talk about love I could tell Nicole I could tell people all the time how much I love them but unless I express that love unless I demonstrate that love it doesn't mean a whole bunch let me tell you what our God is a loving God and he demonstrated it best and we see that in Romans Five and eight says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is so perfect and he so much wanted to love you, to have a relationship with you and he knew that we could not have a relationship without him unless he stepped in and intervened. Because we were each born into this world with sin. We each chose to act on that sin as we became old enough. And that separated our relationship from God. And our fellowship from God was separated. But God said, I still love you. And I love you so much that even while you're against me, I'm going to take my son. And he's going to come to earth as a baby. And he's going to enter in and he's going to live a perfect life. Something we can't do. But because of his love, Jesus came and lived a perfect life. And then at the young age of about 33 years old, they took him and killed him in the most heinous way set apart for the worst criminals there were. And that's the cross. That's the reason we have one in here. Oftentimes to represent that Christ went on that cross because he had to die. And when he died, all of our sins were placed on him. And each person that chooses to come to Christ, we bring our certificate of debt and we bring it to Jesus and to God 
and we say that we're sorry and we present our certificate, God takes a stamp. Forgiven debt, forgiven. You know, I was just reading a story this week about a man who was a doctor in a rural county back in the day that you would keep a ledger and he would wrote everything on there and he would write all throughout it. When he died, his wife took this ledger and she began looking through it. And she saw many places where he wrote, couldn't afford debt forgiven. All through this book, too poor to pay, debt forgiven. Well, his wife wasn't quite as kind as he was. And believe it or not, this wife took this book and she went to court to try to collect these debts. The judge took the book and he looked through it and he looked at the wife and he said, Ma'am, is this your husband's writing, debt forgiven? Debt forgiven. She said, yes, sir, it is. But I want them to pay. She said, he said, ma'am, there's no court and no judge in this world that can counter-react the author's signature of debt forgiven. Here's your book. You may go home. It's the same as ours. When God says debt forgiven, he's demonstrated his love for us and it's forgiven forever. You see, God is a good father. God is a loving father, and God is a giving father. We see in Scripture, in Genesis 2, 7, we see that God is a giving father of life. He gives physical life. It says, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And in Acts 17, it says, Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath in all things. First of all, our God is such a good God. He's such a loving God that he's a giving God, and he gave each of us life. Believe it or not, without God giving us life, we would not be here today. Adam would have never been created if God had not created him. But not only did God just create him and form him out of the dust, God breathed life into him. Now we can sit around here and we can become as scientific as we want and we can debate it takes a man and a woman to create a baby. You take a man, you put her together with a woman, and you have a baby. Guess what? God created that baby, and until he created, I don't care how many times a man and woman comes together, they'll never be a baby. God gives life. God set it out how life was supposed to be. He said it's one man and it's one woman. They come together. We're created and shaped and fashioned for that purpose. Not only is God a giving father with life and physical life, but he gives us eternal life. Probably one of the greatest verses in all of Scripture, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because of God sending his Son, each of us have a choice to receive the gift of the other. 
regardless of what culture teaches today. I'm not a fan of what culture teaches most of the time, if y'all haven't already figured that out. But when you die, you do die, and you don't just go to sleep. You go to one of two places. You go to hell for those who reject Christ, or you go to heaven for those who receive the gift of eternal life through Christ. Not only is God giving in life, but God gives guidance. I like over in Psalm 25, where we can read Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5 says, Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Our God is a giving Father. He gives us direction. God created this world. God has a path that he created each of us for uniquely and individually. He gives us guidance. He tells us and guides us. His scripture tells us who he is and guides us into a relationship with him. And as we go through this life and we have to make all of these decisions in life, he's given us this roadmap, this GPS. We call it a Bible because he's a good father. He's a loving father. He's a giving father, and he wants to give us guidance and direction. You know, I believe that's why he's good. He didn't say, jump out there and go at it on your own. You remember back in the day, you know, today we'd get arrested for this one. But you remember back in the day when you'd take your little child and you'd just throw him in the pool? Swim! Most of them would eventually pick it up. Scare the child to death. That's not who our God is. God goes out there and he's leading the way. He's giving us direction. He's holding our hand. He's guiding us. But probably the greatest of all is God is a giving father because he gives forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, from all unrighteousness. He gives us forgiveness. We can't earn it. Never could. And I am so thankful that we can't. Because as I said before, if you can earn it, you can lose it. I can tell you that quickly. All of us in here earn some money and it goes quickly. We can lose it as fast as it comes. But because our God is a good God, a loving God, a giving God, he gives us forgiveness. We come to him through his guidance and his calling. We say we're sorry and he forgives all of our sin. What a good Good father he is. You know that I've told you three things about God today. He's a good father. He's a loving father. And he is a giving father. I believe that that is three keys to being a good father. A good father is good, he's loving, and he's forgiven. We've talked a lot today about God and the good father that he is. Well, man, let me tell you something. 
God has set the example for us. And as men, we are to be good fathers to the children that God allows us to come into our life. Rather, we give physical life to them. Rather, they're adopted. Rather, they're in Sunday school. Rather, they're neighbors. We have a responsibility as men. I forget exactly what the statistic is, but a father who comes to church has a higher chance of his children coming to Christ than if no parent comes or even just the mother. We today as fathers have a great responsibility and that is to represent God to who our children are. Just like that gentleman that wrote the song, Pat Barrett. How am I going to explain God to you? How am I going to introduce you to someone who so transformed my life? How am I going to tell you what he's like? You are a representation of God. Men, if we set a bad example, then when someone tries to share that God's like a father, they're going to be turned off. They're going to have a bad taste in their mouth. So what should we do? We are to be good fathers. We are to be constant in our children's lives. We should be someone that they want to call daddy, someone they want to come to. But men, we should also be loving fathers. We should teach our children to love. Whether we like it or not, the children are looking to the father. And how the father loves, how the father loves the mother, how the father loves the world, how the father loves is an example of what that child will pick up on. We should strive to love perfectly and we should demonstrate God's love. You see, we are to be giving fathers. We should give life to our children. And I don't just mean physical life. Men, it's our responsibility to breathe life into our children. That's what a father does. A good father breathes life into it. We should guide our children. We should be setting the example. We should be leading them to Christ. I don't know how many stories I hear. You know, it's the pastor's job. It's the church's job to get my son to Christ. No, it's not. It's the father's job. It's the parents. It's the church's job to help. It's the church's job to equip you. But fathers, they're looking to us for that guidance. And we should also be forgiving. Oh, how do our children need forgiveness today? You know, if we beat a child down and they never do anything right, everything's wrong, that child will turn out later in life and never be able to be happy. They will never be a success in life because they were never able to mount up to what the father did. Well, I can't do these things. No, we can't on our own. It's impossible. Because it's the love of the heavenly father. <coughs> Being an example of that father that gets us there. What I want us to understand is, remember I said God is a forgiving God. 
<laughs> we might have made mistakes. We all make mistakes. But it doesn't mean it's the end. Well, you don't understand, Pastor, my children are grown. You're still their father. You don't understand my child's no longer alive. <coughs> if you hadn't matched up to God's example, he forgives. That's why he's a good father. Today, you can go to him and you can say, I'm sorry, and he'll forgive you. I believe all of us fathers need to go to the Lord and say, I need your help. Because you see, he is a good father, a loving father, and a giving father. That's the love of the father today. May you bow your heads. I want each of us here for just a moment to thank God for your father. Whether he was a good father or one that wasn't quite so good, God gave you that father. Thank him for just a moment. Ladies, if you have men in your life who are fathers, would you just pray for them? Just lift them up to the Father right now. Because us men, we need some help. And men, would you cry out to the Father for strength, for help? If you need forgiveness, he's there willing. Just confess to him, he'll forgive you. every head bowed and every eye still closed if you're here today and you have never called on Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins to be Lord and Savior of your life you can't live this kind of life you don't have the love of God living in you but it's available today is the day I believe if you've never done that that Holy Spirit's calling on you right now And if you're here today and you could honestly say, I have never surrendered my life to Christ, asked him for forgiveness, would you just sit back where you are, come down here and let me share with you. Today's the day. Life is not complete without Christ in it. It's not just about being good because none of us are good enough. But it's about having the love of God in us so that we can represent his love to others. Just for the next moment, the altars are open. If if you're here and you want to just come kneel at the altar and pray to the Father, this is the time for that. This is the highlight, I always say, of our service where we respond to him.
men cry out to the Lord because we have the greatest responsibility to be the example. We are the head of the home, just as Christ is the head of the church. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for your love for us. Father, I thank you that you have a love that keeps on giving. And Father, through your word, Lord, you've given us three keys to being good fathers. Father, help us as men to step up and to be that good father. Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious